Coming up on today's episode of the Locked On Bucks podcast, we are answering some of your voicemails. You are Locked On Buccaneers, your daily Tampa Bay Buccaneers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up and welcome back to the Locked On Bucks podcast. I'm James Yarko, joined as always by David Harrison. You can find everything that we're doing over at BucksNation.com. Make sure you follow along on Twitter at Locked On Bucks, at Jayarko underscore Bucks, at DH82 underscore Bucks, and at Bucks underscore Nation. David, we haven't talked to each other in like a week. Yeah, that's no, been great. I mean, it's uh, it's terrible. Yikes. Uh, it's been a really long time. <laughs> so about that stuff that you asked me right before we started oh, recording. No. I, I'm, just, I'm just pulling your leg. <laughs> what do they say in Ohio? I'm just joshing you. No, at least people I hang out with don't say that. My relatives in Ohio are the ones who taught me that saying, so it's definitely an Ohio thing. I look down upon people that say that. Fair enough. Yeah. Just because I live in Ohio doesn't mean I adopt to all the stupid things that Ohioans do, like root for the Buckeyes. (sighs) (laughs) I've missed this. Uh, I'm sure Bailey misses it, too. Bailey loves coming on with me. He's a glutton for punishment. No, it's because I don't make fun of him when it's just him and me. Yeah, that's true. Actually, I noticed that. <laughs> he he has saved the day on multiple occasions. He he's earned a pass. Yeah, he, he's our unofficial third host. I'm looking forward to uh, Evan's going to hate you said that. Um, looking forward <laughs> to to meeting up again with Bailey when I get down there for the Arizona game. Yeah, yeah, that'll be uh, that'll be here before you know it. But first. The Bucks have a bye week, and then they take on, speaking of Evan, Evan's Tennessee Titans, which it will not be Winston Mariota 2. It will be Winston Tannehill, if Winston is still here. Or Griffin Tannehill, depending or, on. Or Griffin <laughs> Tannehill. Is, is Bortles back by then? Oh, jeez. So we have voicemails. Yes, we do. A lot of them. All right, let's go ahead and dive into those. People People have questions. We have answers. That's how this goes. Hey, guys. It's Jeff Barron, 26. After uh, Sunday, I've just come to the conclusion that, uh, you know, as hard as it may be to finally admit, uh, I just I don't trust Jameis Winston anymore. I, I don't trust him in the pocket. I don't trust his feel for the game, his mental processing. It's like he can't read the field fast enough to uh, know where to go with his progressions, and then he gets flustered. And then he forces it. There, a lot of people will say that oh, there's over receivers to blame and all that stuff. But uh, you know what? There's were several. There was a few throws in that game where Jameis should not have gone to. And everybody wants to uh, talk about the offensive line. And yes, it, it, the offensive line is horrific. But you know what? Great quarterbacks can overcome their offensive lines. But you know what? At the end of the day, they're not telling him where to throw the ball. Jameis Winston is throwing it where it shouldn't be thrown. So I know they're not going to probably, for insurance policy, they should look into the draft and finding at least an insurance policy for next year because obviously Jameis Winston is more likely going to be coming back on a franchise tag. And uh, you know what? As scary as it sounds, he's basically reminiscent of Fitz Tragic, Fitz Magic. He's so hot and cold. All right, Chef, thank you for the call. I understand the frustration. Um, and, you know, a lot of... 
a lot of what you were bringing up, Bailey and I talked about on Tuesday's episode. So, David, I'm going to kick it over to you first. And I'm going to let you kind of tackle this a little bit because Bailey and I talked about the trust issues that we're having with Jameis. And, and so I'm, I'm interested to hear your opinion on the matter. Uh, so my thoughts on Jameis Winston really haven't changed than from where they were earlier in the season. This is Jameis Winston. Jameis Winston is a guy who wants to win on every play. He's a guy who wants to score on every play. If they're if he's trailing, he wants to regain the lead on every play. He hates throwing the ball away. He hates taking sacks. That's James Winston. That's Ben James Winston. It was James Winston at Florida State. It's James Winston since he's been in the NFL. This isn't new James Winston. Um, what I was hoping to see in the season is Bruce Arians, Byron Leftwich get through to him that sometimes that's like the the best thing to do isn't always make a splash play. Sometimes the best thing to do is make the smart play because that's what Jameis doesn't understand. Like Jameis wants to gain yards, get the first down, get the touchdown on every single play. In his mind, that's a good play. In his mind, a sack, a throwaway, an incomplete pass is a bad play in the worst way, right? Uh and that's the problem with James's mentality. It just, it is, it always has been. And I, and I don't think it's ever going to go away. So the key isn't changing who James is. The key is harnessing James's desire to be successful and get him to understand that throwing the ball away sometimes will make you successful. Taking a sack sometimes will make you successful. Now, not taking unnecessary sacks, um, you know, and, and that's really where the growth has to come from. And, as far as the confidence is concerned, there's no reason to have confidence that that's who he's going to be until he displays that he can be that for a long period of time. Like this is this this is the same Jameis Winston that we've seen his entire career. And until you get to a point, like, did anybody enter this game against Carolina Panthers saying, "I can't wait to see Jameis Winston play this game because I know he's going to lead my team to victory"? I don't think so. So until you get to that point, like we were asked earlier this year, James, from another caller, when do we know that Jameis has gotten better? And I said, when you can go into a game or a situation consistently and say, I am confident in this person as my quarterback, that's when you know James has changed. And so far in 2019, there hasn't been one moment, one game where I personally have sat back and said, I'm confident the Buccaneers are going to be able to do what they need to do because James Winston is behind center, which means we've not seen that growth, which means we've not seen that consistent improvement, which means this is James. The level of confidence I have in James is the level of confidence I've always had. He has the ability. He has the ability isn't the problem. The consistent decision-making is the problem. And that's a mental thing. And I will tell you that it is harder to develop a mentality than it is to develop physical attributes. You can come up with ways to make a quarterback more accurate. But you cannot come up with a way to make a quarterback who comes out there for every single snap never want to be super like. I honestly just don't believe that's a thing. So, and, and we're kind of, I'm going to get not ahead of the phone calls, but a little bit ahead in topics and future and stuff. But James, we were going back and forth in the Bucks Nation group chat on Twitter today. This is a quarterback who needs a defense that can carry his method of play. And what I mean by that is Jameis Winston is not built to play from behind. If Jameis Winston's playing from behind, these things are going to happen. They're going to continue to happen. Jameis Winston has to be able to play with a lead 
or at worst be within eight points of his opponent. If an opponent gets nine points up on him or more, it's game on. It's Superman time. You know what I mean? And that's not a good thing, uh, at least in history, that hasn't been a good thing. So this is the same Jameis that I've seen, that I've been witnessing, that we've all been witnessing since the end of the NFL, which means my confidence is neither growing or declining. And when you're talking about a quarterback who's coming up, who's in a contract year, talking about potentially resigning for a long-term future with this team, your confidence needs to be growing. So the fact that my confidence personally isn't growing at all or declining is a negative. That's a big negative six games into the year. All right. Let's go on to the next voicemail. Hey, guys. Joe from Ocala. Rough game Sunday. I can't believe that we still have, you know, two scores down and we've had a chance to tie. I mean, you know, Mike Evans catches the ball for a touchdown. Bobo doesn't have that drop. I mean, you're probably tied up. I can't believe that worst game of the year by far, and you still had a chance to possibly come back and win. I don't think that this game is on Jameis. Some of it is. The whole line's bad. We knew that was going to happen with the two guys being out. But, I mean, Jameis couldn't even throw a screen pass without pressure. I mean, this is a, a one second from the snap pass, and he's getting pressure on it. That, that is unbelievable. The secondary is bad. I mean, I know we shouldn't be talking about the offseason, but we have got to get some help in the secondary. I really do think this team is about three or four players, two players maybe, you know, another good offensive lineman and someone good in the secondary to being a very good football team, very good football team. Go Bucks, tough loss. Hopefully they can get some rest. I mean, and then on the road again, they go. All right. Thank you for the call. Um, I I get what you're saying. And no, the game wasn't completely on Jameis. However, I will say this. There were a plenty of times that Jameis scrambled his way directly into a sack. Like one and a half of McCoy's two and a half sacks were because Jameis ran directly into him. So although the scrambling may have saved some plays, it also cost them some plays. And David, we've talked about it numerous times. Jameis keeps holding the ball too long, and a lot of these sacks are on him. And it might be because he's afraid to make a mistake and he's too inside his own head like we've talked about. But Sunday's game would have been the best example of you can't make it any worse, just chuck it. Because the mistakes are coming no matter what. Um, as far as, as the secondary is concerned, we say it every year. They need help in the secondary. And then they invest draft capital in the secondary. And the secondary still sucks. Like, Vernon Hargraves is exactly who he will always be. He has reached his ceiling. And it's it's low. It he's terrible. Is he better than than me? Absolutely. But I'm a five foot ten, 180 pound, slow white guy in Ohio. Like there's a lot of people better than me, but that's kind of how 
you you have to look at it. Yeah, he's an NFL athlete. That's great. He is not a starter. He is EJ Biggers, and EJ Biggers was the worst. He's VH Biggers. <laughs> wow. Um, <laughs> am I wrong? Uh, no. Uh, okay. Yeah. So, Joe, uh, I agree 100% with you. Listen, the that's the most amazing thing about this whole thing is the Buccaneers still could have won this game with. So, here's what I'll say the Buccaneers could have won this game with five turnovers, not with seven or six, but with five turnovers, the Buccaneers could have won this game, True. which just makes it more frustrating. Uh, to be to be honest, uh, you know, looking from the outside in, I mean, because we've been saying this for years now, this team has the talent on the roster. They have the ability. Now they have the coaches in theory that, and we're gonna get into the coaching here in a little bit in a minute. But they're not. They don't put it together, and that just seems to be the bugaboo about this franchise. Is when the offense shows up, the defense does it. Look at Los Angeles. When the offense comes out and puts up just an extraordinary amount of points in offense, the defense gives up an extraordinary amount of points in and and offense. Now, granted, they won that game, fantastic. But when you know when the defense is shutting down Jimmy Garoppolo and the 49ers' uh, offense, Jameis Winston's throwing two pick sixes and they can't complete a screen pass. When uh, uh, and just it goes on and on and on. And this game's no different. Christian McCaffrey had less than 100 yards of offense. I said this on the, on the episode, of James, that I was on with Scott Reynolds, uh, or where I had Scott Reynolds, that, where I gave kind of my initial impression of this team or this game, and it's only gotten more and more. My conviction on this has only gotten more and more. This defense for the last two, maybe you know, two and a half weeks, going back to the second half of the Giants game, has been run through the ringer by Bucks media, by Bucks fans, by Bucks coaches, everything. They came out in London and they kept Christian McCaffrey under 100 yards. Of total offense again, even though the Carolina Panthers are getting him more involved than they did in the first round go round as a receiver, not just a runner. They kept Josh or Josh Allen, uh Kyle Allen to what was it? 277 passing or 227 passing yards and two touchdowns, right? Eleven times. Eleven times in this game, the Panthers got the ball and didn't move 20 yards or more. Eleven times. This defense played possibly their best game of the year. And they gave up 37 points and lost by two possessions because on two possessions, right? And there's just a, a kind of just a micro shot of, of, of everything that happened in this game, two possessions in this game, the Carolina Panthers combined four yards and they got six points off those two possessions. They literally averaged negative one yard per point on two scoring possessions. And they could have, James, had nine points on negative five yards had Sly not missed one of his field goals. Because they had another drive later in the game, four plays, one yard, missed field goal. So they could have had nine points off of negative five yards of offense between three possessions when this defense was was doing their part. This defense did their part. And nobody's talking about it. Todd Bowles isn't getting any praise for how this defense rebounded from all their struggles. You know what I mean? And, and don't get me wrong. There were definitely ugly moments. And I'm not saying that, you know, Vernon Hargraves is an all-pro and da, 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 da. We, they still have their issues. But as a unit, as a, as a whole, when you stop your opponent 11 times out of 15 tries from getting even 20 yards of offense, 
you should win that game. And NFL offense should be able to 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 complement that defense enough to win that game. And they damn near did it. Five turnovers, and they might have pulled it out. And we could all be sitting here going, "Woo, man, lucky to get out of London with that win." Let's not do that again, guys. You know what I mean? But instead, now we're talking about trading this guy, trading that guy. What are we going to do in the draft? What are we going to do in free agency? Because they didn't win. And again, that's what Bruce Arians says. You learn a lot more from almost losing than you do from losing. Because now, if the Buccaneers almost lose, it's, all right, let's focus on getting better. But instead of just focusing on getting better because they lost, now the ship's on fire. You know? Um, So, no, it's not all on Jameis, uh, Joe. And Scott talked about that with me uh, when he was on. Um, There are a lot of guys with C's on their chest who are not doing their part completely. Ali Marpet uh, is, is, was, was responsible for a couple of those sacks. Mike Evans had one of the worst games in, in a long time from him uh, in his career. Uh, not a game that you expect an elite wide receiver to turn in. And, uh, you know, Levante David, I mean, he's, he's, I don't know. I think he's pretty solid. I don't think he really made any mistakes. Um, and we're not going to even talk about Dari because he's a special teams captain, but, but he had a touchdown. He did have a touchdown, yeah, which I love Dari touchdowns, but it just it kind of is soured because of all this other stuff. But there Nobody. are a lot of players on this team not doing their part, right? And, and Joe, you talk about being like three or four players away, and I think right now in, in this current configuration, what we saw in London, you're, you're 100% correct. This team is four players away from being able to uh, be a consistent competitor, right? Ga- uh, week in, week out, game in, game out. And I said it already. Those two players are the two players you were missing on the offensive line. Alex Kaplan and DeMar Dotson, as much as it pains me to say that, and a lockdown corner, a number one corner, a true number one corner, and another pass rusher. And we said this before, Patrick Peterson, JPP. Those are your two missing pieces. Like, I don't, like, uh, we. I think every year we speculate about trades that the team can make and everything. I don't think I've ever felt more confident in what this team could do if they went and traded for Patrick Peterson. You take Patrick Peterson, you move Carlton Davis. Well, you don't move Carlton Davis. Carlton Davis is already a number two corner uh, at best. Patrick Peterson's a true number one. You move Vernon to the slot and you keep him. Like, can we move past this narrative that Vernon Hargraves can defend the outside? It's not happening. Like, Vernon Hargraves is Can't not a press man corner. He's not a perimeter defender. He is at his best in the slot. Move that dude to the slot and don't ever let him leave again. Um, move him to the bench. <laughs> Patrick Peterson comes in, VH3 moves inside, Carlton Davis on the other side continues to work on, you know, balancing aggression with penalties. Jamel Dean hopefully is getting healthier. He provides some depth. depth. Sean Murphy Bunting maybe at some point during this season will get the light kicked on, but most likely we're waiting for next year with him. Ryan Smith continues to be a, uh, a special team stud, and there you go. You put Jordan Whitehead in support of Carlton Davis to help him out. Mike Edwards is playing behind Patrick Peterson. So you've got talent spread across the secondary. JPP comes in uh, because I love Carl Nassib's fire. I love his tenacity. I love his leadership. I love his mentality about the game. But the dude just is not gifted naturally enough as uh, a pass rusher to get the job done completely. But you put a guy like Shaq Barrett out there with JPP and with what uh, Vita Vea has been able to do and Dom Kinsu has been able to do, then this I think this team has a lot of potential, a lot of upside on defense and offense. So I think they're two players away, four players now because they need to get Demar Dotson and uh, and and Alex Kappa back. But yes, to your point, James, and to a lot of people's other points, while Jameis is not completely at fault for this stuff, 
James made some egregious mistakes that you cannot make, including the first play of the game where you're putting your team team down three nothing uh, right off the bat, and you're sacrificing the only leverage you had in that game, which was you had the opportunity to come out there and set the tone by getting the ball first. When you get the ball first, you have the opportunity to set the tone. As the quarterback, you are the tone setter. As a captain, you are the tone setter. And in one play, you took all three of those opportunities to set the tone and set a terrible tone, and it never went away for the entire game. So I agree, but it's more on Jameson than anybody else. Hashtag bring back Fitzmagic. No, not not even in this case. <laughs> Uh, all right. Well, David, we got time for one more voicemail as long as we uh, we move quickly. So let's go ahead and jump into the next one. Hey, guys. It's Nick in Atlanta. First time caller. Uh, big fan of the show. Look, I'm no Jameis Winston truther, but I want to throw another perspective out there uh, for last week. You know, he's going to take a lot of the heat for the game, as he should. I guess the question that I'm asking myself, I'm scratching my head at the game plan. I mean, how many times have we seen Jameis when he's up against all odds try to do too much and when he does he makes makes these kinds of mistakes every time right we're going into a panthers defense with the 24th worst defense against the rush and the second highest sack total among all teams in the nfl and we're missing half of our starting offensive line i just don't understand how we right off the bat are putting Jameis into situations where he's running five to seven step drops and trying to push the ball downfield. He's had pressure in his face from the second that he takes takes his first step. I just don't understand why there's not more plays drawn up to to commit to the run, right? Or or even some three step drop and try to get the ball to your playmakers and, and let them make a play. I'm not trying to take any of the heat off of Jameis Winston here, but it just seems as though you know, he was not in the right situation to be the kind of quarterback we need him to be. I'm interested to see what you guys think. See ya. All right. Thank you very much for the call. Much appreciated. Um, yeah, there have been problems with, with some of these game plans all year long. And we've talked about it in, you know, in spurts. Why they're not getting O.J. Howard and Cameron Braid involved when they don't have a number three wide receiver is mind-boggling why they're trying to force the issue with Scotty Miller or former Buck Bobo Wilson rather than utilizing a talent like O.J. Howard or a guy like Cameron Brait has just been infuriating. Um, You can tell that Byron Leftwich still doesn't totally grasp how to call an NFL game, which is why when Bailey and I were talking, uh, I can't remember which episode it was, either Monday or Tuesday, um, Bruce Arians needs to take over play calling for a little bit. Not the rest of the season. Not the rest of his tenure. Give me three weeks. Give me maybe four. Let Byron sit back and watch the way Bruce Arians calls a game. Because that's what Leftwich needs right now. That's what he has to do to kind of start to grasp. I, I think the leash on on Byron Leftwich as a play caller and a game planner is a little too long right now for a guy that only did it for a half of a season. And it shows. And David, I know what you're about to get into, so I'm not even going to bother touching on it. But it seems like a lot of time, like we talked about with the Saints game, 
the Bucks went into that game trying to outsmart the Saints and outsmarted themselves. This this past game in London, they had Jameis Winston throw the ball 54 times. That is never a recipe for success, ever. And that's what they're doing. And it shows how raw and inexperienced Byron Leftwich is. Now, you hope that that continues to evolve with time because we've seen the bright spots in Byron Leftwich. You know, a game against the Rams. I don't think he could have called a more perfect game for what that team needed to do that week. But the the mistakes are are happening a little too often for a team that had some high hopes heading into the season. A lot of those hopes are dashed. But you know, David, I'm going to go ahead and let you get into uh, into what you were talking about. At the end of a hard week, it's great to sit down, take some time off, and watch some football. Game-winning touchdowns on two-minute drives, running backs racing down the sidelines with no one to stop them. There's nothing else like the NFL, and there's no better way to make the games even more exciting than to bet on them. So do the smart thing and go to mybookie.ag. No one gives you more ways to win than they do. MyBookie's got the fastest payouts and better lines than any other sports book. Don't forget, where you're betting is just as important as who you're betting on, and mybookie.ag is the best in the business. If you're the kind of guy that likes to bet a little and win a lot, try a parlay. If all your picks come through, you'll multiply your winnings. And no matter how you bet, the NFL season is the best time of year. Join now and MyBookie will double your first deposit. Use promo code LOCKEDON to activate this offer. That's promo code LOCKEDON, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. Visit mybookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. So when we talk about coaching, right? So in the beginning of the season, some of this stuff was put on the coaches, and I didn't agree with it, right? I still feel like San Francisco, if the players execute what the what the play calls are properly and and you know we don't have OJ fumbling, we don't have OJ tip drilling uh, interceptions to the opponent, then the, the Buccaneers come away with that win against Carolina. Uh, I think they did a lot of good things. They managed the game. Jameis Winston came out as a game manager and played his role perfectly uh, against the Giants. That's where we kind of saw the beginning of the defensive decline. But again, it's not so much on coaching as it is on consistent communication between the defense. Uh, you know, I pointed out a play where they ran a zone. You had up with three Buccaneers in one part of the zone while you have Evan Ingram running free on his way to a 75-yard touchdown. Here again against Carolina, you have Devin White, who has since acknowledged it himself. The coaches acknowledged it, played way out of his zone, allowed Christian McCaffrey to get loose, get free. You know, Vernon Hargraves pulls a Brent Grimes, and Devin White is in no position to try to recover. Ends up way overblowing the tackle attempt. Christian gets in uh, for a touchdown that, that helped my fantasy team win last week. But I've also said that the first four games of the season is more a gauge of who has the better athletes on each side of the ball. As you get closer to the second four games, coaching becomes more and more valuable, more and more important. Like you said, James, against the Los Angeles Rams, the game plan was great. The, the, the play calling was accurate. It was effective. And the team was able to come away with the win. These last two games, this team has been outcoached. Uh, yes, Jameis Winston obviously is throwing interceptions. Yes, Jameis Winston is out there holding the ball too long, getting the ball stripped, got it, all that stuff. But make no mistake about it, the game plan was flawed from the beginning. The game plan didn't do anything to help matters. And uh, because of this voicemail, I went back and did some counting, did some math. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers ran 35 plays in the first half, not counting punts, 
not counting, you know, uh, field goal. I don't think they had a field goal in the first half, whatever. Not counting special teams, right? So offensive snaps, James Winston on the field, under center or in shotgun, whatever. 35 plays. 25 of them were passes. They were never down by more than 10 points. 25 of their 35 plays in the first half were passes. 10 were runs, right? Easy math. Six of those 10 runs came on the touchdown drive, right? Quote unquote drive where they, where they scored after the, the Panthers fumbled the punt. And four of them came on that long drive that ended when Jameis Winston fumbled after multiple consecutive pass attempts. <laughs> so what really ended that drive in, in a sense is the obsession with getting back to the pass instead of leaning on the run that kind of helped you get there. Don't get me wrong. There was some throws and, and runs peppered in there, but that's the balance, right? Which means that in six other first half possessions, right? The Buccaneers had eight total first half possessions. So in the other six possessions the Buccaneers had in the first half, never being down by more than 10, they ran the ball four times. That's absolutely ridiculous. Against one of the worst rushing defenses in the National Football League, they ran the ball 10 times in 35 plays. Like when you're run, when you're playing, especially in the first half, like the first half should be all about how can we leverage their weakness with our strengths. You've got Peyton Barber, Ronald Jones, and Dari Gumbawale, all three of which bring three very different skill sets. Like I kind of feel like Dari is like the blend of both of them. Like he can pass block better than Rojo, but he's faster and shiftier than Peyton Barber. He's stronger than Rojo, but he catches better than Peyton Barber. Like, you know what I mean? Like he's the hybrid. Peyton's the, the wrecking ball. Rojo's the speedster. When you have that three-headed, I don't call him a monster, but you have that three-headed ability against the worst, one of the worst rushing defenses in the National Football League, your first 35 plays, I would say 20 of them should probably be runs. I don't care if you're down 10. You're down 10 in the first half. Run the stinking ball. Because if you can run the ball then not only are you giving your defense more time to come up with game plans, get better themselves and rest, but you're also controlling the flow of the game and you don't let your opponent get into a rhythm. You don't let your opponent get that, that, that momentum going. Cause even if you're down 10 and then you have a six minute drive because you're controlling the clock, running the ball, so on and so forth, that momentum slowly goes away. When that offense comes back on the, on the field. Yeah, they're leading, but they're not leading with the adrenaline pump and they're not leading with their hands in the air. You know what I mean? Because they've been controlling everything. No, they're leading saying, holy crap, guys, we got to come out here and do something. The second half is the time you should air the ball out. And a lot of people who heard the amount of times James Winston passed the ball, what did you say it was 59 times? 54. 54 times. He threw it. He, he threw it Levante threw, David times. Yeah, <laughs> which means that he threw the ball four more times in the second half than he did in the first. <clears throat> That's it. Just four more times. Because most people heard that number, and they would probably say, yeah, well, that makes sense because they were behind for most of the game, so they probably came out in the second half and threw the ball a lot. Yeah, they did. Four more times in the first half. That's ridiculous, man. That is absolutely ridiculous. Like, Ronald Jones was the X factor for this game for a reason, and that reason was the poorest Panthers run defense. Like, there's a reason they're not blitzing. When you have a bad run defense and you blitz, you get gashed for huge plays. That's why the Panthers aren't blitzing. Ron Rivera is one of the most aggressive players, uh, former players in the National Football. He's one of the most aggressive coaches. He's River wrote Ron for a reason. He loves taking chances. They're not they're not run, they're not blitzing as a team because they don't want to take the gamble because they know 
that their run defense is not good. And if you get past the first level against a blitzing defense on a run play, especially with a guy like Ronald Jones, you're gone. That's that's game over. Dante Jackson is not taking on Peyton Barber by himself in the open field. That dude's going to get run over. You know what I mean? So for Byron Leftwich to come out and just not take advantage of that situation, uh, it just it's it's not smart game planning. It's not intelligent football. And I, I believe Byron is a smart person. I believe he know, he definitely knows football better than I do, better than you do. Oh, yeah. But that doesn't make any sense. And it's almost like, like you said, James, like they outsmarted themselves. Like they came into this game saying, you know what? They're so bad against the run guys. I bet they expect us to come out running. Let's throw the ball. That doesn't make any stinking sense, man. Um, and then the other part that's been kind of frustrating over the last two weeks, we keep hearing this thing of we're worried about us. We're not worried about them. We're we're playing Bucks ball. We're we're worried about what the Buccaneers do, not what what the what the Panthers do, not what the Saints do. But and again, I'll go back to this real quick. If you're not worried about what the Saints are doing, then why is Mike Evans only getting three targets? Because Marshawn Lattimore is there. You're not worried about Marshawn Lattimore, right? Right? Isn't that, isn't that what we're saying? At the same time, if you're not worried about what the opponent's doing, you're worried about what you're doing. Why, when your quarterback is obviously not comfortable, obviously not trusting his pass protection, and your receivers are not having a good day outside of Chris Godwin? Why are you still passing the ball as much as you are? That's not that's not you worrying about you. That's you worrying about them. You're worried that if you don't catch up, that they're going to run away with this game. The coaching staff is saying one thing. We're worried about us. We're not worried about them. Jameis Winston's out here saying the same message. We're not worried about them. We're worried about us. But their actions the last two weeks are the actions of someone who's very much worried about what the opponent is doing. Very much making decisions based off of what the opponent is doing and it's bitten them in the ass uh they came in preaching we're gonna do what is best for our team we're just, we're gonna do what puts these players in the best position possible Jameis winston came out targeting mike evans i'm going to get mike evans the ball just three weeks ago bruce Arians said at the podium and said we don't give a damn who gets the ball we don't give a damn who scores the touchdown as long as we get yards as long as we get points then why are we coming out on the first play of the game forcing the ball to Mike Evans? That's the opposite of what we're talking about. Why are we not targeting our best receiver because of what the defense is doing? That's not that's not doing what we're talking about. Why are we not using why are we not rather adjusting our game plan to account for our quarterback's shortcomings in this game when they're visible to everybody? That is not what this coach's staff's message has been since they got into town. And it's confusing and it's frustrating. Um, and it kind of reminds me, James, remember we had an episode of Carmen not too long ago, and this was off the air, so I'm not going to get into the context of it. But she said, though, she brought up the whole thing of, uh, you know, pe- people kind of have the saying of uh, be careful of, you know, wishing to, to meet your idols and all this stuff because you might not what, like what, like you might not like what you see when you get there, right? I love Bruce Arians, man. Like he's one of my favorite coaches of all time. I love his mentality. I love his book. Uh, I love it all. But man, if this if this past two weeks has not raised some eyebrows and some questions, I don't know. Uh, and then the final thing I'm going to say because I know we're really long and we need to get to the next episode. But um, with the whole Byron Leftwich and Bruce Arians thing, like you got a quarterback who is fighting for his career here. You got a franchise that is fighting to figure out. Is the guy that we spent a number one overall pick on, you know, five years ago worth keeping? This is not the time to get Byron Leftwich comfortable 
as a play caller. It's not. It's not. This is the time to give your quarterback the best environment possible to win. The best environment possible to win is the head coach. That is the two-time head coach of the year. The quarterback whisperer, the guy that helped make Peyton Manning, Andrew Luck, Ben Roethlisberger, everything they were, and the guy who helped resurrect Carson Palmer's career in Arizona. That is the best situation for this quarterback. Take the play calling, take the game planning, and do what you do. Because right now, Byron Leftwich, as much as he has potential, his potential plus Jameis's potential equals struggle. Byron or Bruce Arians and his established ability with Jameis Winston's potential might, might equal more potential. <laughs> and that's about the best we can hope for right now at this point. There, there were a couple of times that I thought of something and I was going to jump in, but I'm like, he's on a roll, and now I forgot it all. So I need to start taking notes. I that do apologize. No, no, it was good stuff. But with that, yeah, we are way over on time. So please, pretty please, check out everything that we're doing over at BucksNation.com. Make sure you're following along on Twitter at LockedOnBucks, at JRCO underscore Bucks, at DH82 underscore Bucks. And at Bucks underscore Nation, send in your voicemails to 813-444-5841. Hope you all have an absolutely fantastic Friday. And we thank you all so much for joining us right here. Bucks.